You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. In the morning, feeling like Pete yeah. my glasses, I'm out the door, I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack, cause when I leave for the night, I Coming back, I'm talking pedicure on our toes, toes, trying on all our clothes, clothes, boys blowing up our phones, phones, drop top and playing our favorite CDs, pulling up to the parties, trying to get a little bit tipsy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 71 of 2, 5, and 10. A little TikTok on the intro because today was indeed the trade deadline for the NHL. Whole bunch of storylines, whole bunch of trades. Benny, what up? I knew you gave me a heads up that you had an intro picked out. I, If you would have given me 100 guesses about which song I was about to hear, I was not expecting to hear uh Cash it on that one. So <laughs> I like to keep um, you on your toes. <laughs> but yeah, trade deadline day uh, started off a little nauseating for me as a Rangers fan. Turned out to be a good one, uh, at least as far as trades go. A l- lot of uh, B level trades is how I, I put it. Not so many superstars on a move or like big names uh, moving around the league today, but contenders. A lot of contenders made some good death moves. Um, couple head scratchers but we'll get into that uh i just how do you compare last year was kind of dull so i think this year was a step in the right direction yeah i think this was awesome just for the excitement factor for the league like going into today there were so many storylines as to what could possibly be i know chris Kreider was mentioned to go here there everywhere else he signs a big extension with the rangers uh as of last night it didn't seem that way it seemed like it was two separate uh, people on two separate pages so it was like crazy to see everything kind of unfold today people thinking Kyle Palmieri is going to be on the move um, that did not happen but New Jersey picking up a whole bunch of draft capital so going into the draft this year and next year very strong or at least top heavy so who knows what moves they may try to make in the future um, I think today kind of changed some teams around their kind of outlook as to whether they were buying selling and kind of what they were doing as a whole so really excited to talk about some of these big name trades and see your thoughts and just the wild and craziness that today has brought yeah i mean you and i would love to talk for about two hours about all the moves uh that was made in the impact all the little uh details about how it impacts each team even in their own division but i feel like kind of narrowing it down into uh, some of the notable trades that were made and giving our thoughts. And then I know uh, we'll give our favorite trade of the day, worst trade of the day, the contender or contenders that did the best to help themselves in the Stanley Cup chase uh, and kind of take it from there. So in terms of notable trades, uh, we had Jean-Gabriel Pajot traded from Ottawa to the Islanders. He then signed a six-year extension for $5 million per season. Uh, Vincent Trocek was traded from the Panthers to Carolina Hurricanes. They also, the Hurricanes also acquired Sammy Votnin. Uh, a couple days ago, the Vegas Golden Knights acquired Alec Martinez. Uh, Koval, Ilo Kovalchuk was traded to the Washington Capitals. Robin Leonard 
was right before the deadline today traded from Chicago to the Vegas Golden Knights. And an interesting kind of wild card trade, uh, Anthony Cio is traded from the Red Wings to Edmonton to basically play on a wing with Connor McDavid. So talk about speed there. Yeah, which one do you want to start with? Because I know we just rattled off a whole bunch. I know there's going to be feelings on every which one. Uh, I think let's try and go in a chronological order. We can start with the Alec Martinez trade to Vegas because I know when that was announced, you kind of thought that was an interesting move in division. Yeah, I was very surprised that in division that a, a lot of teams, for whatever reason, when it happens, th- there's always that iffiness of seeing someone within the division get better. But in this instance, it almost kind of made sense. Just the Kings need draft capital. Vegas plans on making a deep run. They need their D to be locked down. Alec Martinez for two second-round picks, so Vegas is still able to hold on to their first. I thought that was a great pickup and a great job of negotiating. Mm-hmm. So, But, yes, I was surprised that in division it did happen. Yeah, and for me, Martinez, he's not going to put up a lot of points. Uh, and He will always have uh, the worst possible memory in my mind as scoring a Game winning goal in the 2014 Stanley Cup to win a cup for the Kings against the Rangers. But he's a mobile defenseman. He's a smart guy. He's not going to burn them uh, for the most part. He's going to be a very good number four, number five guy. And they get him for two second round picks, uh, one in 2021 and 2021, I think was a really good pick up there. Uh, the next trade, Kovalchuk. There was talk about him signing an extension with the Canadians. Still possible in the offseason. He might go back to Montreal after his good run. I think he had, what, 13 points in 22 games after they claimed him off waivers. They turned a scrappy pickup uh, into a third-round pick in the summer's draft. So the Capitals pick up Kovalchuk. They're going to slot him in on the third line. I think he's going to be playing with Lars Eller and Carl Hagelin. Uh, do you think he can continue his Montreal play for the Caps? Uh, I think a huge thing with Kovalev is ice time. So I think as long as he gets the reps, I I think there's definitely a chance. I believe mentally he's probably in a lot better of a state being with Ovechkin, so having the Russian connection there. I'm very interested to see, like, the trades that Washington has made has definitely made them a lot better of a team, picking up Brendan Dillon, in- mm-hmm. instantly becoming a fan favorite, punching Evgeny Malkin in the face on Sunday. <laughs> and then you add Kovalchuk up front. Just that threat of more goals to a lineup that is already lethal is scary. I think Washington did a great job. And, I mean, a third-round pick for a guy who could possibly end up getting you. If Washington makes a run here, there's a guy who could score possibly 10 goals in the playoffs. And the thing that's interesting is, so he's also a right-hand shot like Ovi is on a power play he usually plays the point at least in his heyday so you can have a situation where you have Carlson Kovalchuk and Ovechkin uh with Backstrom on the first power play unit so who are you sending a guy out to cover the rubber is just going to be flying everywhere just no yep. matter where the pass goes to expect the shot and it helps he has size so he's not going to get kind of bogged down and neutralized and playoff hockey so even with a guy like Kovalchuk, the Caps brought in size. With him, Dylan, they obviously have Wilson, Ovechkin, Radko Gudis, who is basically just a piece of meat on skates at this point. 
but they're not going to get pushed around. Maybe everybody's trying to emulate what the Blues did last year uh, with size and skill. And I think Washington is probably the toughest team to go through uh, in the Eastern Conference in terms of if you have to play them in a seven-game series. So really good depth pickups there. Moving on to the first kind of head scratcher, at least at first, was when the Islanders traded a first-round pick in 2020, a second-round pick in 2020, and a third-round pick in 2021 uh, to the Ottawa Senators for Pajot, who is having a career year, but not necessarily a guy that you would expect to bring back that type of return. They did sign him to that six-year extension, but um, was surprised by the return. I was very surprised by the return. Uh, Pierre Dorian, man, in Ottawa, you want to talk about a guy who he is not afraid at the trade deadline to get busy and do exactly what his job is. And he brings back, like, their draft capital right now is insane. Like, it is stockpiled to the brim. And for a team that's going to be in a rebuild, and not to mention just they already have some players in place, but then to get more of that draft capital and possibly bringing in more guys who are going to be on entry levels and could possibly grow together. Like I know I said it at the beginning of this year and I'll say it now at the end of this year, watch out for Ottawa. And the thing is they may not end up using all those draft picks to draft 17, 18 year olds. They can flip some of those for some solid veterans around the league especially with the Seattle expansion draft coming up. Some guys, teams might want to get ahead of that. So they can kind of turn that draft capital into guys that are NHL ready this summer to kind of boost along their rebuild as well. So I think Ottawa's, even before the season starts next year, it's going to be a team that's going to be in play, whether it's trading picks for veterans or just being a facilitator. It can take on cap hits of guys and be involved in three team trades so they're going to be kind of a landing spot for NHL GMs to be calling up this summer um, the one thing about the draft picks that the Islanders gave up so they gave up a first, second, and third for Pajot, they signed him to a six year contract extension $5 million per year a $5 million per year cap hit the draft capital they gave up is the equivalent of signing a restricted free agent to an offer sheet of 845 million dollars a year so you gave up that you could have signed Mitch Marner if he wanted to and get up the same return in draft picks that you just gave up with Pajot so I don't know exactly what they were thinking yeah I'm not too sure I, I do think JG Pajot has a lot to offer I think it's just crazy to give him an extension right off the bat before he's even played a game for your team like how do you know if he fits in this lineup how do you know there's still going to be chemistry so Maybe that was something already on the back burner with Lamorello and his agent that if we do get him, we'll sign him. So maybe that's the reason why he wants to go to the Islanders. But, um, hey, more power to him for cashing in, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's because if he ends up not being a fit, at least at the end of the year, because he was an upcoming free agent, it would look bad. You would have some egg on your face letting that guy walk out the door after giving up three picks. But if he doesn't fit, now you give him three picks and he's kind of burying your cap a little bit. So hopefully, if you're an Islander fan, it works out. But um, the next trade I wanted to discuss is the Florida Panthers. They've been looking for a left-hand shot top four defenseman for a couple of weeks now. It's been rumored everywhere. Uh, Trocek was the main piece that they're going to try and use to accomplish that goal. 
but they ended up trading him to the Carolina Hurricanes, a team that they're fighting for a wild card spot with. For Eric Holla, Lucas Walmart, both uh, centermen, uh, and two prospects that aren't going to really turn the dial, at least at this point in their development process. So do you think Florida kind of thought they had another deal in play after they moved Trocek's cap hit and then it fell through? Or do you just think this is the best they can get for a guy like him? Yeah, no, I, I was surprised. I thought that when they moved his cap hit, there was definitely going to be another domino that was going to fall. Uh, as for them, I mean, they bring in Eric Halla, but that's not the D guy they were looking for. Yep. So it, it's strange because it, you'd expect more out of the Panthers who are semi in the hunt right now. L- like you think that they would have kept Trocek for offensive firepower when the return they got. I mean, maybe these prospects are are good, but as for something that's going to make a difference right now when you're they're two points out of the third place Atlantic spot. Yeah. And I don't think this makes them better. Yeah, you're not building for the future of prospects when you just gave Bobrovsky a, a massive deal. Like, you're trying to make the playoffs now. And Chochek wasn't costing him a lot of money, at least cap-wise, assigned to a reasonable deal. And he's a right-hand shot top six centerman, or he can shift to the right wing. He's a very versatile offensive player. I don't think this makes them better, especially with the free agents that they have up front when the summer rolls around with Dadnoff and Hoffman, who knows if they stay. So interesting decision there. It kind of reeks of they were planning on getting a defenseman uh, with the additional cap space, and it fell through, and it kind of left with their dicks in their hands. But um, a couple other trades to touch on. Sammy Vontanen, who was at this point one of the better remaining defensemen on the market, was traded from New Jersey to Carolina. Uh, they received Frederick Clayson, a veteran depth defenseman, uh, prospect Yanni Kokinen, and a conditional fourth-round pick in 2020 for Vontanen, who is an upcoming free agent. Uh, kind of, we'll get into this when they, we talk about the Brady Shea trade to Carolina as well. Dougie Hamilton's been out. Does Vontanen kind of slide into that slot there, and Shea slide into the Brett Pesci spot? Um overall but what do you think about the Vontanen trade and then Carolina's haul today I thought it was great too that uh not only do they get Vontanen but they have New Jersey retained 50 percent of his salary too yep. like Carolina today they went to work and yeah, they, did. they had a good day they had a very good day and I think it puts them in a lot better spot to make a very big push here at Lord Stanley um as for where he slides in I'm not really too sure that decor is strange to me. They they have Slavin, they got Pesci. Like they're kind of all over the place in the sense of the good, the bad, the ugly. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> they, 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 no, it's just funny because you, you see some of these guys and you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then they kind of go there and it just kind of it, it blends. So as to where he's gonna fall in, I'm not exactly sure, but. I think on the DN for them, like you said, that Dougie Hamilton injury was huge. This helps them a lot. Yeah, and combined with the Trocek pickup, like you said, they put on a lot of work today. Vontanen didn't really cost him too much. Um, it's basically a second-tier prospect and a mid-round draft pick for half the salary for a guy like Vontanen, who... 
it hasn't been too long since he was a good player. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in, especially in Carolina's uh, puck possession system, helps out that power play and looks good, sets himself up for a nice contract this summer. So, um, good move there. The last two I wanted to kind of hit on overall, the Robin Leonard trade to Vegas and Anthony Cio to Edmonton. I was very surprised seeing uh, Robin Leonard on the move there. I know he's unrestricted at the end of the year. At first, it kind of made me think, are they worried about flurry or is this just goaltending depth? I'm hoping it's the latter, but it just kind of popped in. I know Malcolm Subban as a backup has been questionable at best, so this definitely solidifies you, but I was not expecting to see this pop across the airwaves at any point today. I remember when you text me, I'm like, did I miss something? I was just confused. <laughs> yeah, I even looked. It's like, did something happen to Flurry? And it just hasn't made its round yet. But yeah, Vegas going all in on a goaltending death. Leonard's a good goalie. If something were to happen with Flurry, either now or in the playoffs, I think Leonard's a good guy to fall back on. And for a team like Vegas, that just instills even more confidence in the room because if Flurry goes down, then you're looking at Malcolm Subban in a crease. I'm sorry, but there goes your Stanley Cup chance. So Subban is part of the deal that goes to Chicago, so maybe he will be able to turn his career around there. Uh, to Anthony Seward trade, I said this in the beginning, but his speed, and that's all he is at this point. I know he scored 30 goals, but he's basically a poor man's Chris Kreider, a very poor man, a homeless man's Chris Kreider. Um, playing on a wing with Connor McDavid, I think he's going to get a lot of recognition because he's going to be scoring, or should be scoring some highlight real goals. Uh, playing on his wing, but he's not going to help defensively. He's not very physical. Uh, his lines, I know playing with McDavid is going to kind of offset this, but his lines in Detroit get punted in terms of puck possession and giving up shots. So uh, taking a flyer on him isn't that much of a risk uh, for a team like Edmonton, so I thought that was a good move. Sam Gagne uh, and a couple of picks heading back to Detroit. So Detroit keeping up for that rebuild. Yeah, agreed. I think for a flyer, like you said, speed-wise, if there's someone who could possibly skate with McDavid, it's him. And for him, I mean, this doesn't have to be anything about putting pucks in the net. This is strictly about not giving pucks up and giving the puck to McDavid. Like, <laughs> like pretty, pretty simple. Like, give him we the puck, skate with him. That's it. Like, nothing crazy. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I, I kind of wanted to also get into, I know it might be a little bit hard, uh, but our favorite move of the day it could be, I stuck with a move that we didn't just discuss, but it doesn't matter how you want to go about it. Um, our favorite move of the day and our either worst move of the day or the most confusing move of the day. So who do you got? All right, so my favorite move of the day was the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh getting Connor Sherry and Evan Rodriguez for Dominic Cahoon. I know Cahoon is a good player, but the damage Connor Sherry did while he was a Pittsburgh Penguin there was incredible. And Evan Rodriguez is a pretty good player himself. So on the fourth line. Especially on the fourth line on a deep team like Pittsburgh, their offense right now is extreme firepower, very heavy. So to me, and then if you add in the Patrick Marlowe move too, I don't know what Patrick Marlowe had. I, yes, but like, I don't know what Marlowe has left in the tank, but I feel like Pittsburgh just put all their chips in and they are ready to contend. So 
we will see what happens with the Penguins. Uh, my favorite move of the day, nobody's talking about it. I'm not saying this is a genius move, but a team like Colorado, they've been looking for another forward up front, especially with Rantanen's injury. They were rumored for a while to be after Kreider and a couple other wingers. Either the price was too high and they didn't want to pay it. They have a really deep and good prospect pool. They probably didn't want to touch, lay into that for uh, a rental. I know Joe Sackick has mentioned that previously. Um, or they just weren't going to kind of decimate their locker room by moving guys off the NHL roster for a forward up front. So they ended up trading only a fourth-round pick to Ottawa for Vladimir Mesnikov. Uh, obviously, his goals going dried up as soon as he left uh, Tampa Bay and stopped playing with Steven Samkos. But this is a guy who, although he's not going to replace... Miko Rantanen, he is a more skilled Jesper Foss. And I mean that in a way of he can play on your fourth line. He's very good defensively. He's gritty, and that's kind of rare for a guy of his size and skill set. But he can play in your top six for a short period of time, and it's not gonna, he's not going to embarrass himself. He's not going to hurt the team in that, that role. He's just a good role player that's used to, especially in Tampa Bay, playing with, on Sam Coase's line. He got... A good amount of ice time in New York in the early going. He's used to playing that third most valuable forward on a line and just getting dirty, getting pucks, playing good defensively. So a team like Colorado only having to give up a fourth-round pick for a guy who can play anywhere in their forward group I think was a very good move. All right, who do you got for worst of the day? So you touched on the Kaneshiri trade, which I agree even if it's just depth and Sherry doesn't pick up where he left off when he was in Pittsburgh, I think that's a good move. So Pittsburgh picks up Cahoon, like you said, decent young guy. But I don't get why they would, even though it's only a conditional fifth-round pick, what are they doing trading for Wayne Simmons? Like, the guy's an upcoming free agent. He's washed up. Uh, he's, like, he had a good career in LA and Philly. His time in New Jersey not gone well. He's not a good goal scorer anymore. He's physically kind of worn down. He's a, Like I said, he's a free agent this summer. Why would you trade anything of note to New Jersey to pick him up just to get a head start on possibly signing him to an extension? Like, what's the point? There's He's dime a dozen. Like, you can get anybody on a one-year, $1 million deal, $1.5 million, to just be a four-flying guy who might occasionally drop the gloves and kind of agitates the other team on my pop a goal in here and there so that was the most confusing trade of the day for me was the wayne simmons move for buffalo i absolutely second that but i'm not gonna go with the same one uh one for me is just i thought the return that they gave was way too high uh i really like barkley goudreau uh tampa bay mm-hmm. and san jose having a trade barkley goudreau going to tampa along with the 2020 third round pick Going back to San Jose was a 2020 first round and forward Anthony Greco. I mean, we've seen what certain players have gone for in that they've had big returns and whether rightfully so or not, I mean, a first round pick for Barkley Goudreau, like that's fucking immense. Like that's too much. Yeah. So to me, that's a fourth line center. Yeah. Like I, I know he'll, he'll go to Tampa and he'll play, you know, a bottom six role. But a first-round pick for him, that's steep. And 
I mean, maybe yep. San Jose's just fishing so they can rebuild, but Tampa has to be better negotiation wise. That's brutal. Yeah, and it's they gave away the pick that they got uh, from Vancouver in a Blake Coleman trade. So I think they're out of first round first round picks after having two first round picks in their cupboard two weeks ago. Um, and they traded away for a fourth line center who's like a penalty killer and Blake Coleman who he's good, but he's not not that, that good. Good. <laughs> good. So I don't know exactly what the plan is here, especially after the two years before that, they traded first round picks and some of their prospects for the original JT Miller trade, the Ryan McDonough trade. They traded two of their own developed first round picks in Hayek and Howden. So the coverage starting to run a little bit dry here. And especially when you're looking at like up front, they're still facing a cap crunch. I know they're very talented. They're going to be very good for the next few years, but that's kind of scary. If, there's going to be a drop off in what 2022 2023 because of the cap and moving guys around like look what happened to the blackhawks yeah it can happen quick it can bite you in the ass real quick yeah so yeah that was i texted you that i was like what the fuck (laughs) but um i know throughout the last few minutes we kind of touched on this a little bit but which contender for the stanley cup do you think had the best trade deadline maybe not necessarily just today but overall who had the best deadline see i was leaning a couple different ways i think washington did really good with the addition of dilling and kovalchuk i think pittsburgh did very well with the firepower they just brought in up front and then Mm -hmm. carolina i thought did a very good job at trying to solidify their D end and, and making a push. Maybe they thought last year that their D wasn't good enough, but their offense was. So if that's what they think is going to make them into a deeper playoff run, I think those three teams did a very good job. Dude, I had that listed exactly in the same order with the same names listed in the notes. So I don't have much to add to that outside of the Metro Division playoffs and a wild card hunt, uh, including teams like Philly, who picked up Nate Thompson and Derek Grant today. Uh, Columbus is fading, uh, unfortunately, because of injuries and just lack of goal scoring. But you have Philly, the Islanders, uh, the Hurricanes, obviously. The Rangers are somehow to fuck back in it. They're um, close. They're very Washington close. And Pittsburgh, a bunch together. It's going to be fun, man. This could uh, be the tightest playoff race the NHL has seen in a long time. And there should be something that yeah. for existing fans should get existing fans very happy. But for people who don't really follow the game, just coming down to the end and seeing how good playoff hockey is, because this push playoff hockey is going to start early. Get people know how important. Now. Yeah. Right. That people know how important these two points are now. So it's going to get down to the nitty gritty real quick. And then you have, on the flip side, I know this wasn't a topic of discussion, but St. Louis didn't do anything. I know they're already talented, but they didn't make any additions. Dallas didn't really make any additions. Nashville, a team that's fighting for a playoff spot, didn't. And a team they're fighting, the Winnipeg Jets, made a couple of decent good depth moves before the deadline. So uh, we'll see if that has any impact. And two things I also want to touch on before we get into the Bruins and Rangers trade deadline. Marlowe, like you said, was shitted to Pittsburgh. So everybody thought that meant Joe Thornton would be on a move, perhaps back to Boston. He stays in San Jose. So 
not exactly sure what the holdup was there. If you trade Marlowe for a third, nobody was willing to give up, give up a third or fourth round pick for Thornton and slide him in on a third line. Uh, kind of confusing there. And then there is a rumor of a pretty massive, would have been the biggest trade of the day. The Islanders nearly acquired Zach Parise from Minnesota. Uh, the only confirmation that we have of a package going back to Minnesota was including Andrew Ladd and his contract but the Islanders moving hard for adding Parisi there I know he's older he's more injury prone he's past his prime but him and Barzell and Pajot and Brock Nelson and Anders Lee I think that would have been enough to kind of help them catch up at least with their own defense uh, coming down a playoff push so a little disappointed as a hockey fan we didn't get to see that trade, especially for Minnesota. who's trying to rebuild. That almost pulled it off, uh, getting out from under that contract. But those two near trades and non-trades I thought were interesting as well. Um, so Bruins made a couple moves. The Rangers made a couple moves and had some non-hockey-related news uh, today for the deadline. But we'll kick it over to you since you boys are definitely making the playoffs and I think kind of have an interesting way of addressing that second-line right-wing hole. Yes, so breaking news, it was Friday, I believe, the news broke. Uh, Bruins made a trade with the Anaheim Ducks, finally getting rid of the David Backus contract. Ended up sending over to the Anaheim Ducks David Backus, a first-round pick this year, and defensive prospect Axel Anderson in return for Andre Case, Kase, Kesha, like I'm not really too sure. There's been <laughs> there's been a couple of different pronunciations of his name. Um, young guy, uh, check. Hopefully he can go into that second line right wing spot. He is a right wing. Uh, find some chemistry with David Krejci. Another check. Maybe that'll be good. Uh, the Bruins end up retaining 25 percent of David Backus's salary as well. I figured getting rid of David Backus was going to cost us a first round pick. Uh, I did not know if it was going to happen around now with the trade deadline or maybe in the offseason or at the the draft. I, I just figured regardless, it was going to cost us a first-round pick. It ended up being it. I mean, thank you, David Backus, for your time here in Boston. I mean, you, you definitely grinded it out. Um, unfortunate, definitely put us in a cap crunch. Understandable why the trade happened. Uh, hats off, nothing but the best. As for this case guy, when he's healthy and he's in the lineup, he's about a half a point a game player in the NHL. Uh, I don't think that's bad. I mean, I think that's an upgrade from anything else we've had in that second row right wing spot for three years yeah. now, four years now. So He does have a pretty bad concussion history, which is kind of probably what brought his value down a little. Yeah, brought it down a little bit. Um, I don't really know what to expect. They say he can skate. They, they say he's fast, so... Maybe this is something that Jake DeBrusque needs on the other side of maybe the two of these guys with their speed can kind of get behind D and and make plays happen. I'm very interested to see. And then today, another trade that happened, trash for trash trade, was Nick Ritchie of the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, Nick Ritchie of the Anaheim Ducks coming to Boston and Danton Heinen finally getting shipped out of town. Um Bruins a little bit of a salary dump here. They're going to be saving about 1-3 on the cap, having Richie instead of Danton Heinen. Um, 
I mean, Nick Ritchie, when it comes to physicality, he's very good at that. But outside of that, I mean, he can't shoot. He can't stick handle. He's a very big body, just kind of like a, a big wrecking ball out there, bouncing all over the place. Um, maybe this is strictly for the playoff run where they want a bigger body in there because there was a couple times last year where David Backus was inserted into the lineup, into the playoffs, and his physicality made a difference in some games. So maybe this is what the Bruins were thinking. Um, on the is other end of it, any regular shifts, do you think? Like, is he going to play in a fourth line consistently, or is he kind of like riding the pine a little bit? See, I don't know because our fourth line is already kind of set with uh, Corrali, Wagner, and Nordstrom. Yeah. So I don't know if he's going to go there. I don't know if he's going to go to that third line with. Because now, if you end up putting Case on that second line, you still have Carson Kuhlman, so do you bump him down to the third line? So that would be Bjork, Coyle, and Kuhlman. Like, I'm just not too sure how lines are going to play out. Maybe Case goes to the third line, Kuhlman stays on the second. There's a lot of ways to wiggle it here. So I'm just curious to see as to whether Bruce Cassidy has the freedom to kind of dictate the lineup or if the Boston Sweeney is going to want to see these new guys in the lineup instantly. So, uh, intriguing to see how it will play out. Yeah, I mean, the Heinen trade just kind of seems like, even though he's getting regular shifts for the most part on the third line, they moved him out for a guy who might be able to help out in a long series against a team like Washington on the fourth line or something and they save some money in the end so uh, I think the return that you got so like you said the going rate for getting rid of a contract like Backus was going to be giving up a first round pick so in actuality this trade boils down to you got uh, Kase for like a B-level defense prospect which I think is a great trade if you look at it in that way, where you get a guy who has the ability, after playing in Anaheim with guys like Perry and Getzlaff, to fill in that right wing spot. And he signed pretty cheap for not only this year, but this year, but next year as well. I think that's a great low risk, high reward trade because if it doesn't work out, you're right back to where you were. Nobody's worse for the wise, and you still got rid of back as his contract. So, yeah. And if worse I, comes to worse, you can push him further down the lineup. It doesn't cost you anything. So. Yeah. So I think that was, even though it wasn't like a big name, it wasn't a Chris Kreider or anything like that, I think it was a very shrewd uh, deadline uh, maneuvering by Sweeney here. I'm just happy that he didn't touch anyone on the decor. Mm -hmm. I did think that John Moore was going to go somewhere, just uh, cap number and people that were looking for defensemen. But maybe... The injuries that we had last year on the back end in the playoffs kind of hurt us, and almost every one of our defensemen that was on that Stanley Cup roster played last year. Grizzlick went out at one point. Moore was in for a while. Chara was out a couple of games. So a lot of guys played, so I think they were just worried of if it gets to that point again, they just want proven guys in there. So I think that's why none of the defensemen were moved. Mm. Okay. Now we'll transition over to my boys here in New York. First news of the day, uh, get out of the way because it's not hockey-related. The Rangers announced they had an impromptu press conference this morning at around 11.15 a.m. They pushed back and delayed their practice this morning. Uh, And when that news first broke, the only two things I thought it could have meant was 
a Kreider extension because a trade would have been reported already or something was up with Hank. Either he was about to be moved or he was retiring. Um, and just the thought when it reality almost came true that Hank was going to be on a move in one way or another, it was actually like nauseating to me. I was like, holy shit, this is what it's going to be like, huh? I didn't, um, I didn't think we were going to record tonight. <laughs> uh, we were going to have a silent intro if that was the case. <laughs> but um, the news was last night in Brooklyn, uh, Igor Shosturkin and Pavel Buchnevich were involved in a car accident. Uh, Shosturkin was driving. Apparently, a car that was driving alongside of them decided to make an illegal U-turn, and they got in an accident that way. Buchnevich some minor cuts and bruises. He's day to day. He'll probably play tomorrow against the Islanders. Uh, Igor Shosturkin fractured a rib. It was non-displaced, uh, so it's a quicker recovery time. But he's going to be out indefinitely. He's going to be real reevaluated in two or three weeks um, and see if he comes back there. I don't think the Rangers should rush him at all. Um, and at this point, it's almost towards the end of the regular season. So depending on where the Rangers are in the standings. Might only come back for a week or two. So, with that out of the way, uh, with Lundqvist hopefully back to being a number one goaltender, if they run Georgiev out there as number one, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Um, the big other big news of the day was what was going to happen with Chris Kreider. A lot of rumors going around with the Bruins, the Penguins, the Islanders, the Avs. Pretty much every contender was rumored to be interested in him. They ended up sticking with them. So the rebuild, as I like to call it, is over. We didn't sell at this year's deadline. We finally kept somebody. Uh, we signed Crowder to a seven-year extension with an annual cap hit of six and a half mil. So the Rangers gave in on the extra year. Crowder gave in on about a half a mil to 750K on an annual cap hit. Seven years for Crowder doesn't really worry me. It was always about the cap hit. Um, in this scenario, with that in mind, first of all, they need to give him a captaincy, like tomorrow, um, now that they see a long term. But with that cap hit in mind, the Rangers had to go about making some room. And I know Ryan Strom is restricted and up for arbitration at the end of the year, but I don't think it would have been smart to trade him at the deadline when you're kind of sniffing a wild card spot and he's playing so well with uh, Artemi Panarin, and you don't really have a built-in second-line center replacement. Jesper Fast, he's cheap, and he also wasn't going to bring back much when he turns, so might as well keep him. He's playing on that second line with Strom and Panarin as well. So with that in mind, you're kind of looking, where, where are the Rangers going to save some money? And that's on defense. It was either going to be Brady Shea or Mark Stahl. I don't think anybody wants Mark Stahl, even if the Rangers ate half of his salary hit which kind of defeats the purpose of clearing some cap room with the Crowder extension in the fold. So it was down to Brady Shea. Everybody knows my thoughts on Brady Shea. He's not a first-pair defenseman. He's an all-right number four, number five guy who's getting paid like a young and -and up-and-coming first-pair defenseman. The Shea and Trouba pairing have been the statistically worst defense pairing for the Rangers all season, and that includes the pairings of Mark Stahl and Tony D'Angelo and rookies Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren. So they were able to finally move on from Shea. They cleared out his full cap hit. Uh, he was signed for about five and a quarter million for the next few years. They got a first round pick straight up for Brady Shea from the Carolina Hurricanes. And I know the Hurricanes are a team 
that the Rangers are chasing for a wild card spot. But Brady Shea is not going to tilt that either way. Um, sure, he plays a lot of minutes for us. He's not terrible. Um, so there is a potential for a downgrade if you're going to be playing a rookie like Hayek or Rykoff uh, coming out from Hartford. But for me, I think the interesting scenario here is now that the cap hit is gone from Brady Shea, you got another first-round pick, which you can use this summer on either another young kid or you can flip that for a veteran this summer is what do you do for Jacob Truba's defense parent partner? And you look at the Rangers' defense right now, you're not going to play Mark Stahl 20 minutes a night. I'm hesitant to break up the Lindgren and Fox pair just because they've been so good most of the season playing together. Tony D'Angelo, I know he's a right-hand shot defenseman, but he used to play primarily on the left side for the longest time in his career before, especially before coming to New York. I'm kind of curious to see his offensive game playing alongside a guy like Truba and see if that pairing works, even though they're both right-hand shot defensemen. Um, but overall, great deadline day. Rangers kept Kreider. They were able to get out of Shea's contract. Uh, they got another first-round pick in return. And moving forward uh, this summer and next season, the Rangers are loaded with left-hand shot defense prospects that should be ready either this coming fall or at least halfway through next season. Guys like Keandre Miller, uh, Libor Hayek, uh, Igor Rykov. So no issues there. I think the Rangers had a very good deadline. I agree. I mean, signing Kreider, I think, completely changes your outlook because if Kreider leaves, you don't know if he's ever coming back. I know it was rumored that he might re-sign thereafter, but... I think that's always a little sour grapes, no matter what, even though business is business. Very risky. I agree. You guys moving forward now that he's locked up, now the Panarin's there. Like you said, you have the defensive prospects on the way up. You're hoping for a nice big improvement next year. But wait, you guys are only four points out of a playoff spot. Yep, and we kept everybody. So everybody needed. This is going to be a crazy 20 games for you guys to see where it finally ends up because say you guys get close. I mean, that's a good year. No, I mean, did you expect to be in the playoffs? So that's a good year. I mean, if you guys are able to turn it on and now you put Hanky back in net and Hanky's fucking pissed off (laughs) and he plays lights out for you guys. And now you guys make a wild card spot. Yeah. Even better. I know. I was telling the first lady this the other night that, Wow, so this is what it's like to have anxiety over a Ranger game again. I missed it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the Rangers have been playing well recently. A lot of it has to do with our offense and Shesterkin and Net. So hopefully Hank um, can just come right in. I know he hasn't played much since 2020 began, so hopefully there's not a lot of rust there. Um, But, yeah, with Columbus fading, the Islanders made a couple moves today. The Carolina made a couple moves today, but... We swept the season series with the Hurricanes yet again, so we have that tiebreaker. We're playing the Islanders tomorrow night, so that's a four-point swing in the standings, potentially. They could pull. They could pull it off. I mean, they're ahead of Florida in a wild card chase. 
they're right behind. I think they're only two points behind Toronto. And Toronto has only won four games in regulation in the last like 22 games or something like that. They're just getting by on OT and shootouts. Um, so yeah, even if they get close, it's a win. And then you look towards next season when you have a top six of Kreider, Zibanejad, Kako, Buchnevich, Panarin, maybe Strom, maybe Heedles in there. Um, Lemieux still around. You have a couple of forward prospects like Kraftsoff and Harford who's playing well now. Uh, Gauthier, that trade, I th- love that trade. Um, and then on the back end, you have Truba, D'Angelo, Fox, Lindgren, probably another veteran. And then you have Shesterkin in goal and either Georgiev or Hank. So I think the Rangers are set up very nicely for next year. If they go on a run and somehow make a wild card spot this year, I will shit a brick and be over the moon happy, even if they get swept in the first round. Uh, unless it's to you guys, which will piss me off. But, um, yeah, the Rangers are sitting pretty, man. They got two first-round picks. They got a c- little bit of cap space for the summer. They got to work out some deals with guys like D'Angelo and uh, Strom, potentially. But looking good, my friend, looking good. All right, where do you want to go now? I think it would be negligent of us to not talk about Ovechkin joining a 700 gold club uh I know we dedicated almost an entire episode to Ovi in the fall uh but he joined the 700 gold club Wayne Gretzky, Gordie Howe, Yarmir Yager, Brett Hull, Marcel Dion, Phil Esposito, and Mike Gartner the only other members of the 700 gold club and he still has plenty of hockey left in him if he wants to continue going in NHL so I, from my end, I just want to say congrats to Ovechkin. Uh, I think it's great for hockey that somebody even has the possibility of coming close to Gretzky um, and his all-time goal scoring mark. I think that's going to bring a lot of attention to the sport, a lot of attention to back to Gretzky, um, get his name back into the consciousness of the country and some young fans. So I think nothing but positive things with this chase. I still don't want him to beat it. Gretzky's my boy, but I want him to come close. I mean, what company he was in, all those people you just rattled off. But then to go back into it, like, there's actually a chance he could beat Gretzky's record, which is crazy. Like, this, these are records that we thought would never even be touched. And now there's someone lurking, still far enough away. Yeah. But, but he's lurking. I mean, what was the actual numbers on it he needed five more 40 goal seasons was that or was it six more 40 goal seasons well he's what 192 away now so let me do the math real quick i'm not the numbers guy yeah he would need to if he only plays four more years which i if he wants to continue playing nhl i can see him playing for like another six years but let's just say four more years he needs to average 48 goals a year which is a pretty tough ask for a guy in his late 30s but if he plays six more years, he only needs to average 32 goals a year, and then he ties Gretzky. And I could see that. I just don't know if he'll play six more years. I mean, I know. That's the thing. So, if he goes five, what's that, about 40? Yeah, it's like 38 goals a year. Um, There's a chance of that, but I mean. Yeah, that's he, still five years. Because he still hasn't slowed down, which is crazy. Like, And he still plays hard. Like He's bouncing bodies. He, he's cranking fucking one-timers like. Yeah, I I think there's definitely a chance. If he wants to chase the record, like there's no way Washington's ever going to say put him out to pasture. He can pretty much play on the third line 
at even strength and only get power play time just to crank one timers and try and get 35 goals a year to get to that record if they wanted to. But as I still don't know if he wants to play five, six more years in the, in the NHL, man. Like I still feel like he might want to go back to Russia. Do you think though, because regardless of this being a USA, Canada, Russia thing, he could be, like he could score the most goals in the NHL. Like you don't think that's enough to keep him here? I think it depends on one, his health. I mean, two, it's also a family thing at this point. Um, now yeah, that he's expecting another mid- baby too. announced. It yeah. Today. Now that he's in his mid thirties, he loves playing for uh, Russia and the Olympics as everybody knows. So if the NHL goes back to the Olympics, maybe that keeps him around a little bit longer. Um, I don't know. I think I think he's going to get close. He's probably going to he's I think he's obviously going to crack 800, which is fucking ridiculous. I never thought anybody would do that in my lifetime. But I don't know if he gets past like 850 to be honest. It's because that would mean 5 6 more years in the league. I don't know if he's going to do that, but if it gets close, it's definitely going to be great. It's going to be our version of uh McGuire and Sosa in 98. Oh, it'll definitely be that. Unfortunately, with at least McGuire and Sosa, it was live. So you, you'd always have like the cut screen, like the fadeaway yep. into something else. So maybe they'll just play like old Gretzky goals <laughs> when like Ovi goes on the ice just to, you know, make it a little better. Yeah, on uh, CNBC at 11 p.m. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but all right, uh, let's get into our picks of the week, game of the week, a lock of the week. And then I have two tidbits for today in NHL history. So what are your picks? Uh, I don't know if you're going to like this or hate this, but my game of the week is tomorrow night. I have the Rangers at the Islanders. because Well, this has a lot of repercussions because another game that's happening that night is Dallas at Carolina, and then the other one is Columbus at Minnesota. Currently, j- just throwing it out there because we were talking about it, if you're able to play the Islanders and win, the Islanders would stay at 76 points. If Carolina loses... They're at 74. If Columbus loses, they're at 74. You jump to 72. You are two points out of a playoff spot. I know. Th- that game is huge. I know. If we if we win tomorrow, it's for real. Yeah, you win tomorrow, you're in the, you're in the hunt. If we lose in regulation tomorrow and then Carolina wins, that kind of pushes us back into like, uh, this is going to take a little bit of an effort here. Yeah, but that's why I picked that game because if those other games follow suit, man, that's – it's a different way to look at it on Wednesday morning. Yep. Uh, All right. Well, I guess we picked the same game of the week, huh? Yeah, I'll, I'll change my game of the week <laughs> because I'm going to go with the Dallas-Carolina game just because I was already planning on switching back and forth between a Rangers game and the uh, Stars-Hurricanes game. Uh, just keep track of the wild card chase. So I'll just I'll be slightly different and go with that. All right. And then my lock of the week... I had to pick them because I was so fond of their moves today, but I'm going with the Pittsburgh Penguins beating the LA Kings Wednesday night. Low hanging fruit on that one. Uh, uh, <laughs> the offense better show up. <laughs> they better show up. <laughs> well, uh, by the way, for the game tomorrow night, so Shisterkin is out. Georgiev is getting the start. Uh, it's been confirmed. And Kreider may not play because he was so sick today, he couldn't even attend a press conference. So Rangers playing a little bit shorthanded there. Um, my lock of the week is also tomorrow night, but I'm going with Nashville against the Ottawa Senators. 
I cannot wait for Ottawa to squeak out two points. <laughs> and, and then uh, I think that just blows the blows what is the this <laughs> dude i was gonna go with the red wings over the devils because the devils are selling off and the red wings have just been playing rebuild all year so they're like used to it but i'm like they fucked me over the when they lost to the, to the caps that time so fuck them the battle of the draft picks yep uh, so for today in nhl history for february 24th uh way back 1980 the united states completes the miracle on ice by scoring three goals in the third to defeat finland 4-2 in the final game at the Lake Placid Olympics, winning the gold medal for the first time in 20 years. And two years later, in 1982, Wayne Gretzky of the Edmonton Oilers breaks Phil Esposito's NHL single-season record for goals when he scores number 77. I like that. Who you got for shout-outs this week? Shout-outs, very low-key. Uh, first Lady, I was massively debilitated uh, for about five days. I woke up last tuesday morning with severe vertigo i couldn't even lift my head off the pillow without the entire world spinning around me nausea you name it i had it um alternated between vertigo and nausea and migraines and all that fun stuff and uh that lasted till about i still have some vertigo now so if i lay my head on a pillow and then i sit up i have the spins but I can actually move around now and you know take care of myself. So shout out to the first lady for helping me out for those five, six days uh, with sandwiches and food and just keeping me company as I couldn't lift my head and open up my eyes for a couple of days there. Did, did you piss and shit it all over the car, Shorty? <laughs> um, no comment. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, car shout outs this week. I guess I'll give one to Big Red. Thank you for being the saint that you are. And uh, one shout out this week is to the Silva family. Uh, I grew up with them up on Marnie Street in Cambridge growing up, and they just lost their father, Eddie, today, actually. Uh, very tough time for them, so thoughts and prayers. But, oh, man, Eddie was just such a guy. I remember just growing up with him. He was just so loving, so caring to all the guys in the neighborhood. He was just genuinely a nice guy and i think that's something that we don't really come across anymore is just genuinely nice people so very upset about the loss but uh you're in a better place nowadays i also wanted to give a quick shout out to follow up i red or might not know this but shout out to you and red for coming to new york and visiting me on memorial day weekends yeah, she doesn't know it yet. Uh, well, no, it's funny. She actually didn't respond to that text message. So, uh, oh, okay. So yeah. she's just so overcome with excitement that she can't even text and respond. She's playing hard to get. That's all, all it right. is, Benny. Don't all worry right. about it. But uh, everybody, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the play, uh, the trade deadline as much as we did today. It was pretty good. I think we were pretty uh, active at reporting very quickly as to anything that came through the pipeline so you're welcome first and foremost but um everybody as always thank you for listening and we will catch you guys next week for another jam-packed episode of two five and ten adios bye bye uh, mine had a dream mine had a dream kendrick have a dream all my life I want money and power Respect my mind or die from less, y'all I pray my dick get big as the Eiffel
down So I can fuck the world for 72 hours